Well, good afternoon, everyone. A little after 1 p.m. here on Eastern Time. And the H1B guy here today, the H1B guy live with a familiar face, my good friend Mark Pavlavopoulos, and we're going to discuss H1B alternatives today. It's a question that I get a lot. Hey, my H1B is potentially going to be denied. I'm not picked up in the H1B lottery. What should I do? So we're going to cover that and a lot more today. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues and the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. Today's live stream is brought to you exclusively by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high school immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. Would also like to thank our sponsors, perm-ads.com, as well as Mob Squad. So, Mark, welcome back in here this afternoon. Really glad to have you join us. Uh, I think you were last on. It was um, towards the end of April, uh, right after you know the lottery had concluded yeah. and a lot of the numbers had had come out. And um, this is, I believe, I think by my count, the fifth time now that we've had you here on the channel and on the platform. Uh, so again, like I said to the audience, very familiar face and uh, excited to have you join me here today. Thanks for having me on again. I, whether we're uh, meeting in person in Atlanta or being on uh, the H1B guy, there is, I always appreciate the discussion. You have a lot of knowledge to share, and this is always a good opportunity to engage your listeners and let them know, look, U.S. immigration is tough. Here's other angles. Here's other strategy. Mm -hmm. Happy to help. Absolutely. And, and glad to have your expertise on. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about H-1B alternatives. Um, but I think before we get into that, again, you last being on in, in April, I think it's worth mentioning. Um, July 31st, USCIS selected an additional 77,600 registrations um, for the fiscal year 2024 H-1B cap. Uh, combined with the first selection, nearly uh, 190,000 selections out of 750,000 registrations over over really two lotteries, if we want to call it that. Um, and as I mentioned in the intro, really a consistent question that I get is what are um, the H-1B alternatives for you know the hundreds of thousands of individuals that weren't selected or maybe going out of status here in the U.S.? And so um, you know, previously I've had my friend Daniel Goldman on from Open Avenues and they provide what we call an H-1B cap exempt path. Um, that's something that we'll continue to talk about more here on the platform. Um, and another option is, is building your EB-1 profile. So that's your EB-1A, EB-1B, EB-1C. Um, I've talked a good bit about EB-1C here previously as well on the platform. And, and last but not least, relocating your current U.S. tech job or IT role, specialty occupation, um, to Canada. And I think it's an option, while we've talked about it a good bit here on this platform, um, folks still come to me, Mark, and say, 
what is this GTS that I'm hearing about? What kind of path does that provide for me if, if I'm looking to go to Canada? So my first question to you, just so everyone's on the same page, is what is a PEO and what is GTS? Two acronyms that are very specific to Canadian immigration for, for high-tech employees. Good points. Um, and thanks for bringing up, I like how you put it. There are alternatives. Open Avenues does good work. Um, the EBVs, like there are different angles. People should, uh, I think if we could get all of us together um, and have some kind of a discussion of like, here's all the different ways to go to each, but you categorized them well. H1B alternatives. Mm -hmm. So quick, and you're right, there's two things. What is a Canadian PEO or EOR, which stands for Professional Employment Organization or Employer of Record? That's the first step before you talk about immigration and why you and the, you put them both out there because you, a Canadian company has to sponsor a Canadian work visa. So you can, before you can talk about the work visa, you got to be like, well, who's going to sponsor it? Because an individual just like in the U.S. can't do it. You got to have a company involved. So first off, yes, uh, let's call it PEO slash EOR. Syndesis, that's what Syndesis is. We have we were established in 2014 in Canada. We're a Canadian PEO or Canadian EOR. We remotely employ Canadians in Canada who work for American companies, employ hundreds of people. So that's the business model that we do. Separately, there is a Canadian immigration program called Global Talent Stream, part of Global Skills Strategy. Global Talent Stream is Canada's approach. I think it's four and a half years back now. They said we're short a couple hundred thousand uh, tech workers in Canada. How could we make it easy to get those workers here? And what I always say is, it's almost like, you, and Robert, you know, H1B as good as anyone. If you could look at H1B and, put, and look at all the criteria on how to get it, how much it costs, time frame, methodology for getting it, lottery. If you looked at all, the, all those um, criteria and mm -hmm. said, here's the criteria for the H1B program, it's almost like the Canadians looked at it and said, that's really hard. That's really mm -hmm. difficult. That's frustrating. What if, how do we make it? What if we did the exact opposite? So for example, to qualify for global talent stream work visa, there's several qualifications. One uh, application for a tech job in Canada from a Canadian company. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's a tech job. You're mm -hmm. coding, you're managing people who code, you're a data scientist, anything around tech, it's a very broad definition will qualify. Then, Next, you should have a tech degree. Mm -hmm. If not a tech degree, several years of work experience in the field that you're uh, applying for the role in. Mm -hmm. Next, Canadian salary of 86,000. Every software mm -hmm. in North America mm -hmm. makes more than that. <laughs> right. it, that's simple. So they're like, mm -hmm. there's our work visa program. During COVID, it might've taken three or fun, four months to get approval. Now it's down to 60 days, mm -hmm. sometimes less. And yeah. when you get it, there is no lottery, it's merit. My understanding, we've moved dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people to Canada. 99% approval rate. Mm -hmm. So if you compare them to answer your question, Syndesis is a Canadian employer of record. There's Global Talent Stream. We as a Canadian government company have permission from the Canadian government to use Global Talent Stream to bring workers mm -hmm. into Canada every year. So we mm -hmm. basically are combining the two saying, we bring you in. We, we, we handle your, your employment in, in Canada because it's complicated. And then you basically keep your U.S. job. So those, mm -hmm. are, those are, we'll get to that, but those are the two different definitions of the, of the mm -hmm. area. 
So Syndesis Path Canada serves as the Canadian company offering employment. Um, and that's what provides kind of that step one. You mentioned the, the criteria must have a job offer for a Canadian company working in, in Canada. The thing that you mentioned that I don't know if, if I remember us covering or not, and that's the, the compensation requirement. Um, so 86,000, uh, is that us dollars or Canadian dollars? How is how is that? Canadian dollars. And that is the absolute minimum. I don't ever see because, and I'll definitely differentiate that. So Syndesis exists. What well, our benefit to your uh, um, audience is you got a U.S. job, mm -hmm. third try, didn't make mm -hmm. it. There's a few other scenarios we'll talk through. Mm -hmm. Then we're, our basic idea is in 60 days before your OPT expires, let's pop you across the border, take your laptop mm -hmm. with you, same job, same title, same U.S. boss, same time zone, same team, same salary, everything stays the same, except now you're in Vancouver or Calgary mm -hmm. or wherever you, you choose to live in Canada, but you're working for your same U.S. boss. You're remote mm -hmm. like you were. You're, you, you're remote in Oakland. You're remote mm -hmm. in, in L.A. or Santa Monica. Now you're remote in Vancouver. So we're mm -hmm. basically taking care of all of that, getting you up to mm -hmm. Canada, and then you keep doing your same job. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the other thing you mentioned was 60 days on the processing time. And I think you're being a little conservative. I've, I've seen, um, I think over the last couple of months and, and some of the cases that I'm aware of, it's probably a little closer to six weeks in, in terms of a lot of, of what I've been hearing. And I know that was something that was a pretty significant um, emphasis um, earlier in the year when, when some of the, the immigration plans for Canada were rolled out was really working very closely on reducing those processing times. Uh, but even so, if we're talking six weeks, you know, you're, you're in that 45 day mark. Right. And I yeah. think where the key to that though, Mark, and, and this is something that, that I just wanted to emphasize is if you're somebody who has an H1B denial or, um, a failed uh, extension or amendment, you know, that window of time uh, is 60 days to to self-deport or or leave the U.S. And so the, the timing of the GTS program and going through that process, it's very close, but it's also very doable. And so I think one of the things that, that I like to make sure we highlight is that the earlier you initiate the conversation with Syndesis, the easier it will be to mobilize if and when you realize that you're going to be impacted um, go, going forward, because that window can be really tight. That's a good point, because when when the processing times were longer, we'd had U.S. companies waiting until literally they're in the 60 day window. And then mm -hmm. what would happen is we're like, don't worry, this worker will go from U.S. to China us to pakistan us to india then they're going into canada adds a couple weeks but don't worry it's not it's it's not drastically changing it we always say it's easiest to go us straight to canada so it's interesting you say earlier because for the first time this year we have a couple companies coming to us saying look we know the h1b lottery is going to disappoint us let's get the contract in place with you guys we'll try everything we can to do in the us but if the us options don't work you're lined up and we can quickly up because it's going to happen. We uh -huh. people use, you know, some of your the companies you work with you use the lottery again and again. They know they're set up for a little level of disappointment or a lot level of disappointment. So knowing a company like Syndesis, which says, "Look, we're just ready. Cost you to use the program until you at that moment be ready, be strategically ready for the disappointment." Yeah.
That's right. Like have a plan B, right? That's, you know, something we, we talk about yeah. a lot is you've got to have a, a, a plan B or in, in most cases over the last few years, because of the complexity of the H-1B program, because of the green card backlog, it's really become a plan one B, right? Versus like <laughs> a true plan B. It's yes. like a plan one B, right? Like we've, we've, we've talked about before. Um, I think too, the other thing that, that you mentioned um is engagement with with the employer and then you know I, I guess if i'm somebody that is already on an h1b and maybe i'm mired in in this green card backlog where really wait times that continue to grow um really month over month and and we look at um there's a lot of a uh, lot of uncertainty kind of surrounding um a, a month from now what what the october visa bulletin is going to look like potentially posted over the next couple of weeks um, and, and what those advancements of the dates look like. So, Mark, my question to you is is this. If, if I'm not just an OPT that hasn't successfully been selected in the H-1B lottery, um, if I'm an H-1B that's that's working in the U.S., I've been in the U.S. for, for a period of time, um, what's your best advice for, for me if I'm someone who is stuck in the green card backlog and, and wants to con consider what my options are? It's a good question because at that point, the way, the way you put it, if it's the first scenario where it's like OPT expiring, company knows they're facing a deadline, the worker's critical to them, I'll, I'll, we'll have these calls where it'll be the, the worker and their HR exec talking to Syndesis team and everything's moving very fast because they're like, we see the date here, we have to act on it. Mm -hmm. There's a second group of people who've been helping move up, which is they got the H-1B and their employer's like, done, you know, you got it. And then that worker's like, yeah, but my green card wait was 36 years. Mm -hmm. And the employer's like, I, I wish I could change U.S. immigration, I can't. The U.S. worker, I mean, the, the company still has work to do to, to on the, with lawyers that are on the green card side, but that's where we're getting workers coming to us saying, I can't live this way. My U S mm -hmm. job's amazing. I love it. I love my team, but they went, they tend us all remote. So I'm not really with the team. So Mark, can we just do the same thing that you did for someone on OPT expiration? Why won't you do it for me? And we're like, of course we'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. You're use case number two of three. In that case, you, we tell that worker, you go to their, you go to U.S. company and you explain to them, look, you, you know I'm never going to get a green card and you know if something happens to this company and I get laid off, I have 60 days and my life can quickly go, um, be, I can quickly be exiting the U.S. Can you do me a favor? We found this company, Syndesis. They mm -hmm. only hire people in Canada. They sponsor a work visa and then I'm remote anyway. So I was remote right now from the office now. Would it make a difference if I'm in Canada? We have people... We have workers saying that their employers like, oh, I'll check it out. I'll, let's sign, get a call us in decent. Let's hear them out. And we're basically now it's the same scenario, but it's like, there's no urgency here. You're not mm -hmm. going to be expelled from the country, but we're telling the company, like, look at your worker and the situation they're in from a morale perspective, from, from even just like hope 36 mm -hmm. years, we hear these numbers, 25 years, 36 years for a green card. It's like, see the situation they're in two months from now, that worker going to be in Canada. And here's how it looks differently in Canada. Mm -hmm. Permanent residence is given in 12 to 18 months on merit. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. We, not, we, we, we see the emails coming in from people who moved to Canada, like PR 17 months, PR 19 months, PR 20 months. 
PR 14 months, 12. And we're like, cool. Mm -hmm. You got it. Now you're, now you're on your way to citizenship. And so we're telling the U.S. company, like, that could be your worker. You could secure mm -hmm. their future. You could help them dramatically. And if you move them to Canada, you can save on expensive healthcare costs in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. There's a way to make it happen. So long answer to your question. Mm -hmm. so H1B with a long wait, we always encourage them, book a call, get your mm -hmm. client, come and join, because it, it, it's, it's another scenario that works out best for them, for the worker, for their mm -hmm. sense of well-being. Yep. And one of the things you mentioned in the video uh, description below is is a URL. If you're looking to um, reach out to Syndesis and, and potentially set up a call with them, um, there is a, a link in the video description below to, to do so. Um, so I'd ask you to please use that and let them know that, that you heard about Syndesis from the H1B guy. Um, but you, you hit on something really big here, Mark, and, and that is utilizing global talent stream to get into Canada as a full-time employee of a Canadian company and the value that that has as we look at the the overall express entry um, and, and merit associated with the path to permanent residency in, in Canada. And one of the biggest things is having a, a, a perm job offer right? There's a lot of weight and value that that's associated with that. So it, it provides individuals with an opportunity um, instead of looking at 10 years, 12 years, 20 years, 36, as you mentioned, 100 years, like all of these different numbers that we know. And we know that there's nearly 2 million uh, individuals currently in the green card backlog, most of which are individuals from, from India and China. Um, it, it provides a path to permanent residency in, in Canada. Yes, it's not the U.S., but the time frame is potentially 24 months or less. Yeah, that's it's it's powerful to have those conversations with someone and they're taken aback. Usually I've seen you see the shock look on someone's face and they're like, wait, PR in eight in 14 months. And then you had a really good insight. You're like, wait, there's express entry. We always have to say express entry is is a way to get into Canada without a job on your merits that you show up there. Global town stream is a way to get in in 60 days, no matter what the points number is for, for express entry, two separate systems, completely mm -hmm. separate systems with almost no overlap. So some mm -hmm. people are really, you know, they're, they're waiting for the draw and they're like, well, tell us, well, I, th I think my age is too high. I'm not getting enough points. And we're like, then see if your US employer is okay if you're working from Canada, you will be in 60 days. What happens then is when you arrive in Canada, your Canadian immigration lawyer is like, you're here, welcome. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're here and you have a job offer, you're clocking 50 points. Mm -hmm. Go go update your go update your uh, express entry. Mm -hmm. Each year here in Canada, more points. Go, go, go update your application. So we have people mm -hmm. who are waiting in a long express entry line. They move their US job to Canada and then they're quickly like, hey, my points are coming. Like, I'm there with, P with permanent residence. We're like, yeah, because you got into Canada using Global Townstream because you had a U.S. job that was mobile and could be moved much mm -hmm. faster, gets you there to PR much faster. Mm -hmm. I did have a question, and I don't know if we've, we've talked about this before, but, but I had this, um, I was just thinking about as we were talking about what that means for individuals in, in condensing timelines. If I am... Uh, looking at entering into Canada under GTS, how does that impact my spouse? Does that provide any authorization for them in Canada? It does. And if 
I wish there was a, a way to reach everyone who didn't get the H4. Um, so many families where one person's denied the ability to work mm -hmm. and the, as not just financially, but mentally, mm -hmm. like you, you, someone who worked their ass off, got a master's degree, bachelor's, mm -hmm. PhD, and then being told by us, like, I'm sorry, you can't, like, you're not going to work. Um, you'll be, you won't be working. Canada has Canada's approach to the global talent stream is the work visa is for the job. In this mm -hmm. case, you're moving your jobs and Sandisa sponsors the work visa. It mm -hmm. automatically comes with an open work visa for the spouse, which says work anywhere in Canada, anything, mm -hmm. not tech, not medical, anything open work, mm -hmm. visa. no lottery. No, you might get it. It's automatically given because the Canadians were like, why would we not want, you know, if we could have two skilled workers, not one, why would we deny one? So they're mm -hmm. just like automatically given. Good point. And then I, I'm assuming that that open work permit for for spouses uh, is the validity the same as is the GTS validity. So typically two year increments, two years. And, mm -hmm. and we we had a webinar where people were asking, like, you know, how long can it be renewed? And I'm like, you can be renewed at multiple times. But what normally happens is on a two year work visa, I don't see cases where most people already have permanent residence. So what they do is they get in on the G global downstream work visa. They work for their U.S. company remotely. Then between 18 and 24 months, they make it. They, they, they get their PR card and they look and they're like, do I stick with that remote job with the Americans? Do I now pick a Canadian company I want to work for? Is it time to move on? Because I'm now a permanent resident and no one can tell me what to do. I'll work for anyone that I want. Mm -hmm. I'm free. Get out of jail free card. So we see that people get that that moment and sometimes they're like, Time to move on. Others are like, no, this remote job in the U.S. is cool. Cindy's is facilitating me to remote, work remotely for the Americans. I'll stick with that job. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it is the ultimate freedom to say I can work for any company I want in Canada or in North America remotely. Mm -hmm. I'm a Canadian permanent resident. Mm, interesting. And I think when we look at the demographic that's impacted by this market, there's a lot of studies out there on, on H4 uh, dependents and 90% female. And so when you look at, you know, you kind of mentioned the, the career and the mental aspect, uh, something that I covered a lot in, in 2020 and 2021 was, was the H4EAD and those renewals and how they were expiring because of, of the processing backlogs. But to know that that's tied directly to uh, the GTS and is an open work permit for validity for two years with, with extendable options. Um, I, I think it allows for families to to search and look for that dual income, which is something a lot of immigrant families do look for when they come to the U.S. They're they're looking to maximize their their careers and do so through not only a job, but through opportunity to to get paid, too. And so it's a very interesting aspect of, of the GTS. So in line with this open work permit, I, I think it would be healthy for us to have. Um, a discussion about the H-1B open work permit. But before we do, I just I wanted to ask anyone who's out there, if you have a question for Mark, um, a question for me, please. Uh, we've got uh, roughly about 20 minutes or so left. Um, we'd love to take your questions and comments towards the end of our conversation today. So if you do have any, please post those in the chat. 
Um, we'd love to get to those. If you haven't already, make sure to like this video and that you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Um, joined here today live by my good friend Mark Pavlopoulos from Sedesis, and, and we're talking about H1B alternatives. Um, one of the biggest questions I get asked a lot is like, hey, I failed the H1B lottery. Um, I'm stuck in the green card backlog. What are my options? And um, a lot of times we we talk about you're just going to have to suck it up if you want to stay in the U.S., but if you are truly open to other options, um, the services that Sendesis provide are, are valid, um, white glove service that gives individuals the opportunity to really have what I'd say um, – a true white glove experience, not only for you as the individual, but also your employer here in the U.S. Uh, so, Mark, I wanted to turn to um, this H-1B open work permit or OWP that, that Canada opened up um, on July 16th for applications. Um, announcement, I believe, was put out uh, about a month prior to that. And, you know, while this may be viewed as potentially um, something that may not benefit your services, I think you and I both agree that, that there is a possibility of anyone who applied for the H-1B open work permit and is accepted, um, you know, one of these 10,000 available spots. And, and from what I've heard, the, the number of applications far exceeded um, the availability demand was was much higher than what the current availability was. But how can someone who maybe is is selected for this H-1B open work permit um, utilize Syndesis' services as well as um, your recruitment organization, which is Path to Canada, that, that also works with companies in Canada to identify resources from a recruitment perspective? Yeah, I can cover both those because you're right. A lot of there was a lot of press around it. The Canadians were very good about uh, building some. I think a collision conference in Toronto. They they posted they were going to do this and got and got a, got a lot of press because they're basically like, oh, how does it work in the U.S.? You have an H-1B and you get laid off, sixty days to find another another company, or you have to leave, or you're on H-1B and you have a long wait time. They're, they looked at that and thought. There's an easy, there's easy pickings. Why don't we just put it, put it out there? You come on to Canada, we'll get, we'll put you in a database and get you, you know, available ability to work for a Canadian company. It's super mm -hmm. smart. What I really wish they had done is up the number to fifty or a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. But like you said, oversubscribed, ten thousand was filled fast. Mm -hmm. So the quest, the if you look at it from the worker's point of view, if someone got in, congratulations. Um, what I would, what I haven't heard yet is how easily is the Canadian government, what's their plan to take that database and share it with Canadian tech companies saying, you want some of the best and brightest people in the world, US educated, US experienced, they're in this database here. So mm -hmm. what I'm hoping the Canadian government and immigration service is doing is publicizing out to Canadian companies, come to us, look here, these are the people you should be interviewing. Uh -huh. So there's just from, from, a, from the individual's perspective, it should be a pure benefit. What I'm hoping is people who are in that 10,000 list are now getting called upon by Canadian companies to interview them. Uh -huh. There's one of the inquiries that came to us and said, well, can Syndesis still help me? I, I, I did get, I did get one of those spots, but no one, no Canadian company is offering me a job yet, or I don't think it's being, it's paying high enough if they are. And so one thing we talked internally in Syndesis, we said, we're a Canadian company, 
As a Canadian company, we have the right to have access to any Canadian immigration programs. We have permission to use Global Talent Stream to bring in hundreds of workers. Oh, this H-1B database. We could uh -huh. have permission to hire from it too. So we think there's a scenario where someone who got one of those 10,000 slots is uh -huh. sitting in the U.S. still working for a U.S. company, uh -huh. maybe has a massively long wait for a green card. We're like, how many people in there are thinking, could I just take my U.S. job now on that cool salary I have? Uh -huh. Since I'm one of the 10,000, can Sandesis just hire me in Canada and I'll just move uh -huh. L.A. or San Francisco to Vancouver or uh -huh. your hometown or Miami or D.C.? Can I just move on up to Toronto and uh -huh. take advantage of the 10,000? I'm in Canada but I don't want to give up that U.S. salary. Mm -hmm. We think that's one possibility of how we could help someone who got chosen, who has mm -hmm. a cool U.S. job, doesn't want to stay because of the green card weight, but looked at the salaries in Canada and said they were lower and was like, what can I do? Sandesis could help in that scenario. Mm. And I think what's really interesting about that, Mark, is not only now are we talking about uh, GTS for Syndesis, it looks like, and the numbers aren't great, 10,000 is, is a blip on the radar, really, like you said, uh, wish it was 50,000 or 100,000. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for somebody who maybe was awarded this H-1B OWP that has an employer that wants to retain their services, having a conversation with Syndesis about, hey, you've already got the visa. Now it's just a matter of relocating to Canada and identifying a Canadian employer, uh, utilizing Syndesis to do so. Nothing would change then as long as your employer of record here in the U.S. was open to you working, living and working in Canada via, via Syndesis. So I think it's a very interesting aspect. And honestly, it's it's utilizing um, uh, the the capabilities that, that I think the Canadian government is providing to organizations like yours, right? You know, you mentioned the expansion on being short and tech talent and, and here is, you know, again, pushing the chips all in um, the war on tech talent is, is real. And in the present uh, Canada's got skin in the game. And unfortunately here in the U S we continue to make um, our high skilled immigration paths to the U S extremely complicated um, extremely difficult to obtain and maintain. And I think this is something where we're not really seeing the immediate impact right now. Um, uh, but as someone who has spent my career in staffing, Mark, I can tell you that as we start to project out further and we look at some of the stats that talk about, uh, by the year 2030, 50% of the workforce is going to be generation Z um look you know that's one of the things where we've we've got to realize that um, if i'm a high school immigrant looking to come to the u.s there are other options for me outside of just the h1b visa which um for really almost the last 30 years has been the primary mechanism for individuals who um were looking to come to the u.s and, uh, and obtain a, a work permit that and in tech specifically because that's what we talk about uh mainly here on on this channel um, so I wanted to ask you this question, Mark, if I am looking to initiate this conversation uh, with my employer, right? I want to introduce Syndesis to my employer. Um, I'm interested in relocating to Canada. My employer doesn't want to lose me because the cost of losing me and then recruiting and finding my replacement is more significant than it is to allow me to go and work remotely from Canada. How do I go about initiating that conversation with my employer? And what you just said there, Robert, 
what we're finding over the years is that is extremely challenging for individuals. Mm -hmm. I've been dozens and dozens of calls myself where I'm talking to the worker and they're describing the situation. They're like, here's the date when my OPT expires. Here's this great job I had. Here's the story I had getting to the US. Here's the US universities I went to. And as an American citizen, I'm disappointed, like in mm -hmm. our, like, I want you to stay. Mm -hmm. But then I know, okay, but I also live in Canada five years. So I, I'm like, I can speak with personal authority, like, like based personal experience, sorry, it's a great place to live. And I know their immigration system. So I'm like, look, here's how it works out for you. But the hardest challenge we're finding is getting that person to get their employer on the call. Mm -hmm. And what they don't realize is, so last week we had a webinar where we had one of Cindy's um, clients. He was the VP of people for a Silicon Valley company raised over a hundred million. They've been using H1B for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. They three people with us to Canada and that HR exec on the, on the, on the, on the webinar, he's like, he, he talked his own slides. He's, he's like, look, here's the cost for every H OPT expiration. The replacement mm -hmm. cost for each worker is 50 to 75,000. He's like, that's wow. recruiting, um, time lost, expertise lost, ramp up of new person. He's mm -hmm. like, the organization of our morale, of, of people's morale, of seeing someone that everyone cared about and was part of the team, being, having to leave the US and losing their job. He's like, there's mm -hmm. all these costs to our organization. He's like, mm -hmm. and every time we went to Canada with you, it's just like turnkey, it's done. Like two, three months mm -hmm. later, the person in Canada, they leave the US on a Friday, they spend the weekend getting their Airbnb set up. On Monday, they're working for us. He's like, you just, he's like, it's smooth. He's like, it works. Mm -hmm. But that conversation, Robert, most of the tech workers we're speaking with don't realize it, it, that, that if they just got their VP of HR or their VP of, of talent or whoever their um, HR contact is on the phone, that that person's going to be like, yeah, the cost of lo losing you is, is into the tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Oh, Canadian healthcare is cheaper than American healthcare. We, that's great. They don't know all those benefits. The calls go well. But mm -hmm. we see the worker that feels intimidated of walking to their manager saying, I found a really great solution. This company Sandisa has done this dozens of times. Here's the cost benefit. They hesitate or they hold mm -hmm. when all they had to do is say, Hey, there's a solution here. It works mm -hmm. and it's to the financial benefit of the company. I wish there was an easier way to do it, but it is a challenge. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is just fear, um, kind of immigrants as a whole, you know, fear of, losing their job, potentially being deported. Like there is just that, that aspect of, of that conversation and that fear and also fear of having my employer know that I'm considering my options at this point. And so, um, you know, traditionally we've talked about either engaging with, um, like a, a, a line manager here, but I think you, you, you hit on it and that's, um, utilizing internal HR to have those confidential conversations first. Um, and, and potentially creating those introductions. Have the conversation with Sedesis. Understand if it's a legitimate uh, path for you. And if it is, then utilizing them to create those introductions so that the conversations can be had at a higher level where if you're not comfortable in talking about the why from a Sandesis perspective, um, engaging, you know, Mark and his team to do so on your behalf, I think is the one thing that uh, is the biggest piece of advice I can give kind of throughout this entire process is don't be afraid to have the conversation. You're being proactive. 
Um, and, and that's, I think, the approach of it is it, it's a it's a proactive approach. It's that plan one B, like we joked about earlier. And so um, I think that's to me just the kind of the best advice that I can give to anyone who's watching now or, or at a future time that's that's considering this as an option is um, don't be afraid to have the conversation from a confident perspective because you're being proactive and your employer should understand that because the cost to replace you is so significant um, that I can assure you that they know that there is a, a significant employee replacement cost and considering those other options, um, ho hopefully they'll see past that, that replacement cost as a motivator. Yeah. Um, Sorry, to one more comment I want to make there, um, Robert, that's something that happened different this year. Syndesis has a policy where we don't charge the worker. We just don't. We, mm -hmm. our, our comment is there's an immigration lawyer fee to be paid. Your company will pay that immigration lawyer fee. It's compared to U.S. immigration lawyer fees. It's very reasonable. People never mm -hmm. object. And then there's a cost for Syndesis service. Sometimes right there, the worker just stops and says, I, I can't even I'm, I'm too nervous to even bring this to my employer. This year, a couple people approached us and said, yeah, I see your costs there, but this is my life. I'm about to, I'm gonna leave the US permanently when my OBT expires, never to come back. I lose house, dream, job, friends, everything. Mm -hmm. Can I, is there a way I can pay for this? Because they, the, the words we use were, this is my life. Yeah. And if my US employer isn't on board, what can you can can you hear me out and say that I may want to take charge of this? Mm -hmm. And that set and that you know my team members heard that and they're like, Mark, do you want to do you want to go and tell that person no? And I'm like, okay, I'm like here's how, here's what you could do. In Canada, the worker could pay for the immigration lawyer. Mm -hmm. They are allowed to. Okay. They can't pay our fee. Mm -hmm. Not allowed. But one worker, com one worker's comment to us was, I have a U.S. salary of U.S. like 200,000. He's mm -hmm. like, I can take it to 180. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. But if you're telling me in 60 days I'm in Canada and in 14 to 18 months I've got permanent resident and I'm a citizen in four years, I want that and I can take a pay decrease. Mm -hmm. can, you, can, can we do this for my benefit? How do you mm -hmm. say no to something? Like, how do you say, no, we're not doing yeah. this. We're Okay, well, let's talk to your U.S. employer. If this works out, that here is a, a way to make this work where everyone wins. Mm -hmm. You are taking charge of your future. Mm -hmm. You will become a Canadian permanent resident. Those mm -hmm. timelines will happen. And yes, you had a, your, your salary. We understand that's what you should be paid. But the other alternative was to be, to be kicked out of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so now when someone comes to us with that scenario, we were, we're open to a conversation it depends on the circumstances. But I just want to point that out. Yeah. Some people are so afraid of their employer writing a check, they don't realize to look at their salary or where they're at and realize there's some negotiating that could happen. Yeah, some sort of cost savings on the the comp level that the employer would be paying to Tissendisas versus what they're paying here in, in the US. And I think it was interesting the point that you hit on, Mark, about um the individual being able to pay the the legal and, and filing fees, are they able to do that from the US, I'm assuming? Because that's not something we've talked about before. So look, if your employer's on the fence, then it sounds like, Mark, that could be kind of the last resort of, hey, last I'm willing to pay the legal and filing fees if you'll just allow me to relocate my job to work for Sandesis to Canada. 
Um, it's an interesting angle that that I don't think we've talked about before because, you know, speaking strictly here in the U.S., any legal filing fees for H-1B visas is prohibited to be paid by the individual. Premium processing, dependents, that's really it. There's some uh, filings that can be paid for by the individual when we talk about I-140 and I-485, but but from an H-1B perspective, that answer is no. So uh, wow. it's an interesting offering, Mark. Good point. In Canada, what we say is you, the worker, can pay for the Canadian immigration lawyer who will be doing the filing. Mm -hmm. What you can't pay is the $1,000 application fee for the work fees for the LMIA. And what you can't pay for is the $250 to $550 fee for the work permit, depending on if you're single, married, or family. Those syndesis will pay for. We have to. We're the Canadian company sponsoring. You're right. Good distinction, Robert. There's some things that we take on. But the cost of the immigration lawyer to do the work, the worker is allowed. So those mm -hmm. are on a case by case ba basis. When we, mm -hmm. if we hear someone who is in a bad place saying those words, this is my life. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We didn't plan this one, but I, I'm always curious. Any recent success stories? um over the last couple of months that uh that that are top of mind for you individual that was here in the u.s that that you've helped get to canada um i'm thinking of a few because uh in february i was up in vancouver i, I travel to canada every couple months i try and meet the people we move up to hear their stories personally so one of the people we moved up during covid um he's on the he's on the syndesis website uh, as a success story pranav he joined and he basically and with the team he's like look, he's like, I got permanent residence. I moved up here during COVID. It took a few months, like border was open. Express entry was closed. Border was open for global townstream. And he was sharing with everyone else of, I got my, I, I, I have PR. It's as, mm -hmm. as you were told, 18 months. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's what all the backlog. So you get to hear that that personal story shared. And mm -hmm. I think there's, an, there's another angle, Robert, I want to share. Like we talked about two use cases. There's a third use case that's showing up more and more and what i think this one is more driven by it's sometimes the worker but it's the company so one of the people i met with he had um he's from Ch mainland china and he said mark my company's down in california they couldn't get me into the us we found your solution vancouver is close enough they just wanted me in time zone mm. and then i'm thinking i'm like yeah wait a minute i said i said you know that's interesting you came from china and that was a, that that was important for your company we have another worker from India that their company did the same thing. They had an office in the U.S., development mm -hmm. in India, but the company came to us and said, we want to start moving people to Canada. And I'm like, why? Why, why, why do you want to? I don't know. Like I said, I said, India's lower. I said, your development team's lower cost. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, why? And time zones. Time zone. They're like, we need this. They said, this person is somebody mm -hmm. who works with the team all the time. Toronto lines up with the New York team. We want yep. them in BC team. We want them in time zone. So when I met her, she's like, it's great. Like, I, yeah. like the company came to me and said, you are one of our respected um, team members. We want to offer you the mm -hmm. opportunity to move to Canada. And then I'm starting to hear that one more. So there's some of the mm -hmm. companies in Silicon Valley I was talking with this summer, their comment was, Mark, we're using the Canada option for our superstar engineers, the best mm -hmm. of the best. Because if we leave them in an office in India, salaries are going up they get poached away but if we take that person and tell them do you want canadian pr and canadian life we can't get mm -hmm. you anywhere. can't i'm sorry and now i'm hearing those stories and those people are saying yeah mark it was how could you turn that down 
you know, we know the U.S. is impossible, but they offered us Canada with permanent residence in 12 to 18 months and citizenship in four. We took it. So there's a new global immigration strategy we're seeing more of, of U.S. Yep. companies saying, we understand the limitations of the U.S., but time zone matters, like you said. It does. It does. does. Yeah, this is the whole global parking, right? And a lot of these digital nomad visas that we've seen out there um, in kind of Central and South America, it's it's this actual aspect of the time zone and, and the importance of it. All right, so uh, Mark, in 60 seconds or less, to put you on the spot here, um, what are you seeing for the rest of 2023 for, for Sandesis and, and Canadian immigration as a whole? We are getting the word out. Every, every single U.S. employer that my team talks to is incredulous. They're like, no one ever told us we could move this worker to Canada. Our U.S. immigration lawyer just said, I'm sorry, no more U.S. options. So what we're looking for is, that's why I appreciate you having me on your program, is to get the word out of there is an alternative. You mentioned a couple others. This is one that works well at an individual level because you can see the Canadian permanent residency and citizenship is good. So for the rest of the year, it continues to be, get the word out. What we're gonna do more of is you ask for success stories. And right now, exactly as you asked that question, the call I was just on with my team, we're gathering these stories of people who moved, Americans who moved to Canada, people who moved from China, India, OPT expirations. We're gathering all those stories and they're gonna be published on our website so people can look and say, that's me. That's exactly mm -hmm. where I was. That's my scenario. Mm -hmm. We, we, haven't done, we haven't done a good job of that. We've got dozens of people who are, I've spoken with are like, Mark, I'll join you in a webinar. And I think what we should also do, Robert, is maybe on a future show, we'll have someone that would move to Canada join. I think you would suggest that because then people could say, could ask questions of what's yep. it like? How did it work out? What's your story? Happy to do that too. A testimonial, right? <laughs> that real life tangible example. Um, so I've shared my, um, my affiliate link here. It's on the screen, Mark. It, um, it's also in the video description below. This is for individuals who are considering their options. So you'll go hit this link and you can register, fill out the form and someone from Syndesis will absolutely be in touch. Um, and I think Mark, we talked about earlier, you know, potentially maybe sometime towards the end of October, beginning of November, we'll have you back on, talk about kind of what is projecting out for the really the end end of the year and as we head into uh to 2024 but i learned something new every day uh, the the compensation thing really interesting to me 86k or above um the open work permit for spouses and gts another just huge benefit um but you know today we wanted to talk about h1b alternatives again you know mark's been on now the fifth time i know we've talked about this a good bit but i think there's always something new that we pick up and learn when, when Mark comes on and your expertise in this space is just truly amazing. The work that you guys do at Syndesis and Empath to Canada for recruitment is, is incredible as well. I know there's a lot more coming up on that in the future and, and I look forward to, um, to us having those conversations and we'll absolutely work on um, having an individual uh, that's working for Syndesis come on and, and tell their story uh, either live or, or maybe through a pre-recorded session at some point between now and, and the end of the year. So uh, Mark, just can't thank you enough. Again, call to action if you are someone who is facing an OPT um, expiration, you weren't picked up in the H-1B lottery, 
you're an H-1B that's facing a denial. You're an H-1B that's stuck in 10, 20, 3,600 year green card backlog and you're fed up. Um, this is where Sandesis and Path to Canada absolutely come into play. So, Mark, thanks so much for, for coming on here today and, um, and sharing your, your wealth of knowledge and, and expertise. Robert, thanks for having me. And, and I feel the same in our conversations. I always learn more uh, H-1B, U.S. immigration. You have a wealth of knowledge, too. So I appreciate you having me on. Cool. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close this out here, Mark, and just remind everyone today's live stream was brought to you exclusively by Syndesis and Path to Canada. The ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. Uh, if you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. They'll gladly help you and your employer navigate the process. And if you'd like to find out more, as we mentioned, please be sure to use the link in the video description below. And someone from Sedesis and Path to Canada will be in touch. Also, like to thank our sponsors, perm-ads.com, as well as Mob Squad. Um, Mark, I shared your LinkedIn profile in the video description. Please connect with Mark. Follow him. He's a great follow. Shares a wealth of content on LinkedIn. Um, so definitely somebody that you want to be following and connecting to as well. Uh, please follow me on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it now. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, like all, all the socials I'm out there. Join my Telegram group. Um, would love to interact and have a conversation with you. Um, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for joining our live stream here today. We really appreciate your support. Um, I'm Robert, the H-1B guy, your global source for all things H-1B.